Welcome to you, our lovely listeners, to episode 50. Yes, 50. How on earth did we get here? Of the Dynamics Matters podcast series. Now, the idea has always been to provide you with insightful pearls of wisdom from a variety of industry experts in a short and easily consumable way. Now, I hope we've remained true to this and you've picked up some interesting insight along the way, whichever editions you tune in for. For this half-century edition, we wanted to do something slightly different and recall insight highlights from across the series and then thread these into some of the recurring themes. And I wanted to begin with what's become one of my favourite messages from the series, alongside the fact that HSO Imagine director David Little has a dog with perhaps the best of all canine names. I think you should tell the listeners the name of your dog because I think it's a fantastic name. Uh, my dog's name is Gordon. It's just a and fantastic he's Ginger. name. And he's Ginger, Ginger Gordon. And it was in the edition with HSO Enterprise architect Mike Stanbridge, who believes that because of advancements in technology, you are no longer restricted by its capabilities, but only by your imagination. It's always that people process technology, isn't it? It always comes together. Get vision and people in the right sort of place. Process can follow in terms of what you want to achieve and the technology will follow on. And with the world of dynamics as it is now, I don't believe that businesses are technology limited anymore. I believe they're imagination limited before anything else. The great thing about this, as David pointed out, and also, I think um, when you become technology literate, you don't become untechnology literate. You start to see the, the opportunities that it brings. Is that once you have the skills and capabilities, you won't lose them. You merely plan how best to use them. This direction is reflected in how Microsoft is evolving their technology, moving away from large scale, often expensive and unwieldy technology programs to a more modular approach to business application consumption, as HSO's head of Dynamics 365, Will Winter, has found. We're seeing customers certainly come in now and saying, I've got to do this, I've got to do that within the next six to eight months. And if you then load that alongside a big bang or a massive scale change, the business isn't always ready to consume that. It's not, it doesn't have the resource or it doesn't have the, the planning or the ability to, to roll that sort of thing out. So we can come yeah. in we can go, okay, well, we're going to solve this problem for you straight away. And we can do that within six months. And then we can work on the other things as we go through that. So it de-risks yeah. it from a customer's point of view. And it's this modular approach that makes it easier for organisations to adopt the technology that they need to solve unique to them challenges without having to buy another bespoke and often silent solution. This more modular approach also means more choice, lower risk and a greater ease of connectivity between systems and people for when decisions are being made and new priorities identified as David Little again highlighted in episode 36. I think the starting point should be I, I can pick and choose and that's actually what Microsoft are trying to make it. Okay. Whereas in the past it used to be ERP plus I need to get the platform in. Right. ERP was the kind of data foundation then it could do other interesting things on top of it. Uh, that's not quick enough anymore and Microsoft are trying to dissemble the, you know, the solution so that it is more modular and you can do it piece by piece. So you can put in for example you know, el- elements of ERP plus power platform and elements of the dataverse, uh, the foundation, and then evolve that over time as you add more things. This isn't to say that large-scale transformation programmes are gone for good, far from it. Sometimes they're unnecessary. I mean, COVID, for example, forced many organisations to accelerate large transformational projects that may otherwise have taken years. What is key when it comes to complex initiatives is the ability to maintain and capitalise on the digital momentum that's built, which comes back to the original point. The only limitation is imagination. And some of the people I spoke with, including the Ealing Council Chief Executive Paul Nasarek, are extending technology value by using it to solve new challenges, not originally part of the project. Sometimes 
the things you do, there are things you can do that hit multiple goals. Okay. If you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think trying to find the sweet spot where the projects and the work that you're prioritizing is trying to address multiple goals. So to, to give you an example, if we're able to stimulate the green economy and we do that thoughtfully, obviously it'll help climate. It can help people in terms of economic recovery. And if we can get the jobs and, and the skills packages right, it can help inequality all at the same time. So not everything could be done like that. But the more we can focus our energy on things that hit multiple goals, that's obviously a premium at the moment, Michael. Paul's observation of the need and ability to do more with technology was echoed by Microsoft's head of public sector, Sam Brownwell. When the barriers are taken away, which is often either political, money or ego sometimes in organisations, when those barriers are taken away in the, in the crisis, we can go really fast. And we've seen that happen. And I think now that that light's been shone on that, organisations are, are taking those steps to say, well, let's just continue that momentum. Well, the next 10 apps or five apps, um, let's shortcut, shortcut the processes. And actually, we've got to do some self-reflection here as yeah. a as an industry. We have guardrails in place around procurement and all those things for the right reasons. We've got to make sure they're not barriers to innovation. The topic of data also threaded its way through many of the conversations. Mastering data is clearly a challenge, understanding where it's come from, where it's going to, who's using it to what end. But understanding of its value was echoed in many of the conversations, including this one with County Council Network's John Rawlings. We're all aware that we're on the, the, the edge of an absolutely almighty revolution in what data is going to actually be able to do for us now. I mean, we're not necessarily going to be talking from a local authority level about the really, really big national or global data that, that makes it, that data, once it's accumulated, can, can make a massive difference. And I yeah. think we are already beginning to understand some of the potential that this may have in terms of the predictive nature that the big data can pull out. But I think we're also alert to the fact that there are probably possibilities we haven't scratched the surface of yet. Managing data formed one of the core components of developing technology business cases, and this was demonstrated by the work of Bowdoin CTO Sean Perkinson on their digital transformation project. One really key approach that we're taking is we're building out a microservices strategy. Within that microservices strategy, sort of managing the flow of data from our systems of record up into our customer or channel, customer-facing channels, and also the data flowing back into our system of record, we're leveraging or an event-driven architecture. And that event-driven architecture now was just shining a completely different light now on data moving through our operational systems. And, you know, and this throws up all sorts of sort of digital marketing and, and operational use cases that we weren't really thinking about. Another of the themes that came through in many interviews is the importance of people when it comes to achieving organisational goals, big or small. And the message was that without good people with the right skills, it doesn't matter how advanced your technology is or how detailed your data strategy, success will be limited. And in episode eight, HSO's head of recruitment, Dan Rosehill, offered his thoughts on what he looks for in finding the right people. So one of the key features that I look for and that we look for as a business is two things. It's longevity and it's loyalty. You know, when we see people that have been part of a company for five, six years, that demonstrates to me that they've stuck with it for the long term. They're not just out for themselves trying to, you know, move around from one organisation to another. And once you have the right people, HSO's Head of Learning and Development, Rebecca Fox, offered her advice on how you can develop the best learning and development environment to keep them there. It's important to have a learning culture in order for people to stay 
in an organisation, people need to feel valued and engaged and feel like they're able to progress in their career. And I think at HSO, we offer both technical skills as well as soft skills for employees, and that helps them succeed in their career development and the appropriate tools and skills to do their job effectively are gained by having all of those different training sessions. And I think more and more organisations are starting to realise that by investing in learning and development and other things, it's basically a win-win situation. And I think organisationally, we've got the best people to do the job then, and our people feel invested in and they feel engaged and valued as individuals. Tying in any project together to achieve long-term buying and success is in building the case of change. Now, in the experience of HSO sales director Hector Hickman, this has the greatest chance of success if it begins with the board. I think if businesses really understand what technology can do these days and how it can become like, so central to their business, it should be on the board, not just not even just from the you know the CIO, but the wider business should be understanding understanding and and embracing and keeping themselves educated on how technology could enable them to serve their customers better than their peers, to keep their cost base lower than their peers, to keep their processes slicker, to reinvent ways of doing business. In building on this, I spoke with HSO's Head of Change Management, Tracy Roberts, to find out whether a proactive approach to change management can increase the chance of project success. If if you're dealing with an organisation of a thousand employees, and you know, sort of 800 of those employees adopt the new ways of working really well, then you will get some level of success. But maybe the ultimate return on investment won't come until all 1,000 employees are actually working in that new way. Does so it's understanding where those gaps might be and, and looking at the different sort of assessments on an individual basis as to, to people's journeys through that change. And then we come to partnerships. Now, partnerships in any industry are a leading part of success, whether you're a retailer managing partners in your supply chain or a local authority working with healthcare providers and support citizens. Choosing, if you have the choice, the right partner is also an important part of success. And this was aptly surmised by Microsoft's Richard Wills when he said, I tried to put it in my my like sort of simple brain. I said it's a little bit like a football team that you can be really good at taking corners and you can be really good at heading but you can't take a corner and head it in at the same time. Yeah. And so it's just understanding that you need everybody and you need the skills from different people to do that. And Chris Bally, Deputy Chief Executive from Suffolk County, has a particular penchant for partnerships because he's able to see the value of the collaboration. I think people bring different perspectives. And, and I, I, this, this is kind of a very very personal theory here. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, something that I've observed and, and I think is true is if you bring sort of like subject matter experts together from different disciplines, I think that is the recipe for innovation. And it's through collaboration that's built what I hope has been and will continue to be an interesting, useful library of insight that you can refer to. To close out this special 50th edition, I'd like to leave you with the thoughts of HSO's Cloud Application Director, Andrew Welsh, who gave me his thoughts on where he sees the future of technology heading. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. One phrase that I use all the time is the tyranny of the deliverable. So we've got to get away from the old notion of saying, I need these 300 requirements to be met and um, vendor, please come to me. Yeah and tell me what my deliverables are going to be over the next two years. The new way of doing this is to say, listen, I'm going to try to right-size the capacity of expertise I have available to me, 
And then we're going to do things. We're going to innovate. We're going to solve business problems rapidly and continually. And we're going to look more at outcomes, more at what the business value is, what sort of efficiency gains we realize, how we make life easier for our, our employees and for our customers, rather than, you know, that's the tyranny of the deliverable saying, I must have this delivered to me and this delivered to me and this delivered to me. So it's a very, very radically different way of thinking about how we structure technology acquisition and service delivery as well.